Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. Uh, it's good to share this time of uh, fellowship and love with everyone and, uh, and worship together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're glad that you're here. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially today. We're glad that you're here and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of, of our attendance, of your attendance with us today. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, we have a few announcements that I'd like to call to, uh, to your attention. Uh, Chris, do we have uh, movie night tonight? What's, the, what's our movie? Lilies of the Field. Okay, that's our movie for tonight. We'll be having movie night tonight at 6 o'clock, and we invite you to come and be a part of that. Had a great time the last time we did that, and, uh, and, and it's just a lot of fun to, to share this time together. Uh, also, um, uh, we're going to be t doing a little bit differently during the month of July, taking a little break from our usually usual Wednesday activities. Um, we will not be having our Wednesday dinners during July. Thank you to the Dunhams for providing dinner during June, and we appreciate that. Uh, we won't be doing any dinners during Ju July. Also, we're going to give our choir a break during July, no choir practice uh, during July, but we will be having our Bible study each Wednesday at 6.30. So we invite you to grab something to eat somewhere before or after and uh, come and share this time of Bible study at 6.30 each Wednesday night. And uh, Sue, I believe you have an announcement to make. For the upperclassmen, we had our uh, monthly meeting last Monday, and we talked about several activities. And I wasn't able to get this. It was too late to get it into the bulletin. But our next outing will be July the 21st. We'll be going to McCutcheon Meadows, which is an old historic home in Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, we need to be here and leave promptly at 10 o'clock because lunch will be served there uh, just a little after 12. Um, and then uh, just please note that date, again, July the 21st. And then our meeting in July, potluck here at the church, will not be the fourth Monday. It will be the fifth Monday. It will be July 31st. And this will appear in next, next month or next week's. Uh, bulletin, but I want everybody to get the McCutcheon medals on their calendar. Thank you. Thank you. One other announcement I have it sitting here that uh, 
uh, we're going to be uh, going to or getting up a group of folks to go to the Otters baseball game on July the 23rd. That's a Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. There's, uh, the cost is $5 per ticket. So if you would like to go, sign up. Is there a sign-up sheet over here? On the bulletin board. Okay. Sign up on the bulletin board there, and, um, and we'll purchase a ticket for you. That's the Otters game in Evansville at, on uh, July the 23rd at 5 o'clock. So I hope you'll come and enjoy that. That will be a lot of fun together. Uh, let's stand and, and, uh, and celebrate one another today by greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of God.
Let's pray. Oh Lord, we stand before you today as our forefathers and foremothers have stood before you in, in times gone by, <clears throat> celebrating our history and specifically the freedom that we have enjoyed as a people. We rejoice, O oh God, in the blessings that you have so graciously given to us. We thank you for the blessings of liberty. We thank you for our independence for peace, and for all of those who have committed their lives to seek freedom and justice for all people. We thank you that your gracious hand has given us so very much. And yet as a nation and a people, we also confess that we have not always chosen the right way. And so we ask that you will forgive us for those times. We commit ourselves to you, O God to honor you and to serve you. With everything that we are, we lay our lives before you. We pray that you will make us a generous people, a holy nation, a people set aside to love you forever and to love all of the people of our nation and all of the nations, all of the people of all the, all of the nations around the world for that matter. We do not presume upon your grace for our country, O oh God. Our land is in need of you. Our people are in need of you. Our businesses and our political systems are in need of you. So help us to look only to you as the ultimate source of our freedom. We celebrate Independence Day this week, but help us to recognize that we are not independent at all. Indeed, we are totally dependent upon you. And so come to us, O God, through your Holy Spirit. Breathe new life into our nation. And we pray for justice to flow like rivers for all people. We pray for righteousness to flow like a never-ending stream until our whole land is covered with your glory. And we ask all of this in the wonder, wonderful name of Jesus, who has set us free indeed. Amen.
Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for loving us in spite of our human ways. May we always strive to be the presence of Christ, serving our world in need. Guide us to use these tithes and offerings to glorify you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning is from Romans 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And that you have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage... Did you then get from the so what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death, but now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. 
free at last. We are free, and we are blessed to be free. Back in January of 1985, a large suitcase was discovered at the customs office of the Los Angeles airport. Inside that suitcase, they found a dead body of an unidentified young woman. The customs agents who discovered the body immediately launched into an investigation, and what they uncovered was the tale of a horrible tragedy that resulted from the desperate desire of two young people for freedom. You see, the dead woman was the wife of a young Iranian living here in the United States, and her desire was to join her husband here, but she was unable to get a visa. And so she took matters into her own hands. She squeezed herself into a large suitcase and had it smuggled onto the jet headed for the United States. It was a foolish move, of course. Even if she had survived the journey, she would have been an illegal alien spending the rest of her, her life looking over her shoulder. <clears throat> but she was desperate. She was desperate to be with her husband and to be free to pursue happiness and prosperity. And so she died a lonely death, squeezed into a tiny space into, in the cargo hold of an airplane. As we prepare to celebrate our nation's birth, I think it would be good for us to ponder what American citizenship has meant to many people over the past 200 plus years and what it means to, mean, to many who seek to enter our land today. Many people, many, including our own ancestors, have gone to extraordinary lengths to make America their home. So what is it about this land that has made it so attractive for the rest of the world? Well, certainly many people come to America looking for work. They are tired of barely eking out survival wages, if, in, if that, if, if they get anything at all that they have in their own countries. They know that America is truly a land of economic opportunity, and, and most of them come here and they work hard and they become an asset to their communities and, and to our country. Thirteen years ago, before I came to Kentucky, I would drive up Buford Highway near my church in Atlanta, and I would see business after business after business boarded up, empty, broken windows, a blight on our community. The tax base for the suburb, sub, suburban communities of Shambly and, and Doraville was drying up. The, the local governments could hardly run because the businesses were not there, and people were, were running, and things did not look good. The future did not bode well for that area. But I was in Atlanta this week for the CBF meeting, and I drove up that same street on Friday afternoon. It was booming. It was booming. New, uh, once boarded up buildings were open for business. New buildings were being built. Life was happening in the community that was on the brink of despair just a decade ago. Business signs were everywhere. But here's the thing. I couldn't read most of those signs because they were, well, I could read the Spanish ones. Thank you, Kay Gardner. They were, they were in Spanish, they were in Korean, they were in Vietnamese or some other unknown language. And that whole community is booming with folks who, like our ancestors, came to America to seek economic opportunity. And it's working for them. Other people live in lands that are torn apart with crime and war and outright oppression by their own governments. I think Syria is probably the prime example of this today. Devastated by war, torn apart. In the land of Syria today, over 75% 
of their population has been displaced. 75% of the people of Syria are now homeless. Fleeing from the ravages of a war that they don't want and they have nothing to do with. But it has caused them to leave their homes with literally nothing to run for their lives. And that's just one hot spot in our world. There are cruel dictatorships in many parts of our world today. And so many of their citizens come here looking for security. And so people come to America as they have for hundreds of years now for economic opportunity or to flee from the crime in their own lands, the persecution from their own people, from their own leaders. And who can blame either one of these groups? Particularly if they have a family. If you have a family, you will do whatever it takes to provide them with a better life. But there's another reason that people have risked their lives to come to this country. And that can be summed up in one word. Freedom. Or at least the possibility of freedom. That's what America has stood for more than anything else since it was founded over 200 years ago. It was founded by a group of individuals who had an amazing vision of a better way of structuring government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Freedom. What a powerful word that is, and what an amazing idea. And it was a radical idea when this took place. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of worship, freedom to pursue one's dreams. And we dare not take any of these things for granted. And so in two days from now, on July the 4th, we will enjoy picnics and parades and fireworks and music to celebrate the gift of freedom. As we do so, though, we must also realize that this ideal of freedom remains only an ideal for many people in our land. For you see, it has not been fully realized in the lives of many people. Our history is replete and, and replete with and, and remains to be filled with examples of, of people in our land who cannot truly say that they are fully free. Our Baptist forefathers and foremothers were persecuted in our country, in this country, for daring to believe in things and to worship in ways that were contrary to the established church-state organization in early years. That's one reason that Baptists have historically been so adamant about the separation of church and state. It is because our own history has been filled with examples of how when church joins forces with the powers of the state, minority, religious, and other groups inevitably suffer. Like us Baptists did. And this was such a strong principle for us that that we Baptists fought not only for our own freedoms to express ourselves according to the constraints only of our own consciences, but we also fought for the freedom of others as well. You see, we believed that none of us is truly free until all of us are free. Did you know that the inclusion of the First Amendment that guarantees freedom of religion and speech and assembly came about as a result of the influence of our Baptist forefathers and foremothers? It did. We're responsible for that. I'm proud of that. And honestly, we stood by that principle for many years because we knew that it protected our rights and the rights of other groups to worship and to live as they see fit. Unfortunately, 
many of us have forgotten our history. Now that Baptists have grown in such numbers that we have become a force to be reckoned with, we have forgotten our history. You see, the political powers that be have recognized that they cannot maintain their power without Baptist support. And so Baptists, unlike years of old when we were a persecuted minority, we have become a part of the power establishment. And the thing about power is that once you have it, your main objective is to keep it. Often by stepping on the lives of others who are not so powerful. And so as as beautiful as our history is in our struggle for freedom for all, especially in our early years, there's a flip side to the coin. Because you see, in our striving for power, Our history, and our present day even, is also replete with examples of how we have stepped on the freedom and the rights and the abilities of others to truly be free and to seek the prosperity and liberty that we take for granted. And so in our effort to grasp our own entitlement and position and place in society, We have in our history, and we continue to have today, we continue today to sometimes marginalize people in our society. We have marginalized African Americans and Latinos and women and Muslims and gays and and many others who desire only the same thing that Baptists desired in our early years. Freedom. That's all they want. Freedom. And as people of power, we sometimes step on that. And for that, we must repent. I know that some of you question why I'm so adamant about the separation of church and state. And I believe that we are truly a blessed nation. We are blessed to live in our land. And, and, and it is indeed a land of opportunity. And I'm glad I'm American. But I fear that all of our flag-waving and celebrations of liberty, especially at church, simply mask the fact that not everyone is as free as others. And we will not truly be a land of liberty until that ideal happens for everyone. On the other hand, I call that my first sermon. Here's my second one. On the other hand, for Christians, maybe every Sunday should be like a 4th of July celebration. I mean, think about it. Because you see, the most important freedom that is available in the world today is the freedom that only Christ can bring to us. Freedom from sin and death and freedom from fear and failure. Freedom from anger and and vindictiveness. Every Sunday ought to be a celebration of freedom. Maybe we need to replace our call to worship with fireworks. We're going to replace our organ with a brass band pumping out Sousa tunes. Why? Because nearly 1,800 years before our ancestors fought at Valley Forge, there was somebody else who died for our freedom. On a cross just outside of Jerusalem, Jesus gave his life to free us from every scourge that would would crush our spirits and bring us down to subhuman activity. As Paul writes in our scripture for today, you have been set free. You know what that means? Paul uses the image of slavery. Paul lived in a world where slavery was widespread. It was practiced in, in all, everywhere he went. He traveled all over the known world, and everywhere he went, there was slavery. Some were enslaved because of, of military conquest. Others were enslaved because they couldn't pay their debts, and so they were sold into slavery to do that. But the people that he was writing to, 
they knew that the life of a slave was a miserable life. And of course, Paul himself knew what it was like to be bound in chains while languishing in prison. You and I, may, we may have a hard time relating to this imagery of slavery. However, even though most of us will never be placed in chains and made to do things that we don't want to do, guess what? Many of us are still enslaved by the circumstances of our lives. Some of us are enslaved by the crushing life of poverty. Some of us are enslaved by the blows of racism and sexism and genderism and a host of other isms. And of course, a recovering addict will tell you that the first step to overcoming an addiction is to acknowledge that that addiction has taken you prisoner. Addiction can be a terrible master. As former football coach Lou Holtz once said, I have never heard a successful man or woman get up and say, I owe my success to drugs and alcohol. And yet I know of thousands of people who have ruined their lives because of drugs and alcohol. Of course, you can become addicted to many kinds of activities. And I'm beginning to wonder if some of us are not addicted to our, our smartphones. You know? You've seen that video of the woman walking down the mall doing like this. She's not paying any attention, and all of a sudden she, she trips over the ledge and ends up in the fountain in the mall. You've seen that? It happens more than you think. As a matter of fact, even in England today, I understand that they're trying to protect smartphone addicts from themselves. And they've begun to establish so-called safe text streets in London. And one feature of these safe text streets is padded lampposts. You can guess why, can't you? It's to keep people from hurting themselves when they run into the lampposts. They ought to provide helmets on, on those streets as well. I don't know. And, and I may seem to be making light of a very serious situation, and I don't, I don't mean to be. It's important for us to understand that we can be addicted to all kinds of things. And some addictions may be even beneficial. What? Yeah. For example, some people are addicted to exercise, which most of us could use more of. Psychologist William Glasser wrote a book several years ago called Positive Addiction. And he notes how some people actually improve their lives through developing what he calls addictions to positive endeavors. For example, he believes that a person who jogs one mile each day not only strengthens his or her lungs and and, and heart, but also increases self-confidence and and their imaginative powers. And and if you think about that, if you think about it in that way, what, what Glasser is saying in his book is basically the same thing as what Paul is saying in our passage of Scripture here. Because you see... In this passage, Paul is telling us that we can be addicted to sin, which includes everything that pulls us down and keeps us from being what God wants us to be, or we can be addicted to God, who will help us, if we will let God, to increase our sense of well-being and and to give us something wonderful to live for. That's the ultimate addiction being bound by chains of love to God. And all of this is to say that there is no greater freedom in this world than the freedom that God gives to us through Jesus Christ. Whether it's freedom from some debilitating habit or or freedom to simply be the best that we can be, There's something about being connected to Christ that allows us to experience a richness of life that those without Christ can never experience. Steve Beard wrote an article about the recent Nobel Prize winner and legendary folk rock singer Bob Dylan. You didn't think I was going to be quoting Bob Dylan today, did you? This was shortly after Dylan was nominated for the Nobel Prize. 
for literature. And he noted that not too long, after, not too long ago, Rolling Stone magazine asked Bob Dylan what song he wanted to hear on his deathbed. You know what he said? How about Rock of Ages? Beard thought that it was fascinating that Bob Dylan, this eccentric man that hippies christened as a prophet back in the 1960s, he still sings songs from his gospel albums in his concerts. But you know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. At, at many of his concerts, even today, Dylan will open up the concert with a, with a song that he wrote called I Am the Man, Thomas. And it's about the conversation that Jesus has with, with doubting Thomas. Look at these nail scars here in my hand. They pierced me in the side, Thomas. I am the man. They made me, made me bear the cross, Thomas. I am the man. They laid me in the tomb, Thomas. I am the man. In three days I arose, Thomas. I am the man. Some of you may remember that back in the 1970s, Bob Dylan was reportedly converted to Christianity. You remember that? Some, some of you not that old, I know. but some of, You know what I'm talking about. You remember that. His, his background is Judaism. But his spiritual path has taken him, taken him into an array of philosophies and religions since then. But could it be? That through all of this time and experience that, that God really does have a hold on Bob Dylan's life and has never completely let him go. In recent concerts, Dylan has been singing the song Solid Rock in, from his 1980 album, Saved. In this song, he proclaims, for me, he has chastised. For me, he was chastised. For me, he was hated. For me, he was rejected by a world he created. Well, I'm hanging on to the solid rock made before the foundation of the world, and I won't let go. I can't let go. I won't let go. That sounds to me like Way back in the background, in spite of his many experimentations, Bob Dylan really is addicted to Jesus. <laughs> we can hope. And that can happen to a person. Maybe it's happened to you. Maybe at some time in your life you were addicted to one of the many vices in the world that lure people into a trap. But one day you met Jesus and he took the chains of addiction off and he set you free. Maybe, maybe you were bound by a different kind of addiction. Maybe you were bound by self-righteousness and a condemning spirit. And maybe Christ set you free from that. So that you can truly love your neighbor as you love yourself. Whatever your situation may be, there's, there's someone who longs to take the chains off of you that keeps you from soaring. God wants to help you to make a new start. God wants to be your ally as you seek to live the abundant life filled with joy. A joy that surpasses all understanding. And that can happen for you, my friends. I entreat you to join your life with the life of Christ. Because when you do that, you will be able to say that glorious chant that we first heard from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Say it with me. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. I'm free at last. Let us thank God for freedom this day. For the freedom that we have as a nation. For the freedom that we have as Christians. And let us remember that we are not truly free until everyone is free. So let us redouble our efforts to be advocates. No, evangelists of freedom for everyone. Amen.
Let's sing together a song about being set free out of my bondage, sorrow, and night. Jesus sets us free from those things. I hope Jesus has set you free. I hope you're living a life more than just in the freedom of this nation. If, this, if that's all the freedom you have, it's not enough, folks. It's not. We have to have the freedom that God gives to us. I hope, I hope you have that. If you don't, you can. And I would love to talk with you about that and to share what few aspects and insights I might have. Just ask, and I'm there. But let's sing together our closing hymn, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow and Night, and let us celebrate God's freedom in our lives. We have seen your glory, O Lord, in this place. The demands of your holiness have shaken us and have drawn us to your unfailing love for all the world. And as we leave this place, we pray that you would give us, give light for our eyes. Help us to see through your eyes. Put a song of praise for your great love on our lips and direct our steps to walk always in your ways. Amen.